Hello and welcome to The Hannah Hundel Show. I'm your host, Hannah Hundel, and The Hannah Hundel Show is a syndicated program. Here on The Hannah Hundel Show, we feature the world's foremost experts for groundbreaking discussion within their respective fields, spanning medicine, science, technology, business, politics, policy, law, and more. Join me, your host, Hannah Hundel, on a mission to unpack and understand how contemporary high-impact issues are being tackled by the world's most influential leaders. For today's episode, I'm happy to bring you an installment in our 2020 U.S. presidential series as we have an interview with Democratic candidate Tim Ryan, the current representative from Ohio's 13th Congressional District. Previously, he represented the 32nd District in the Ohio Senate. Representative Ryan is known for focusing his efforts on the working class in the heart of the country, for whom he has said that he has worked to increase job opportunities in this technological age and promote economic revitalization. When he announced his presidency, Representative Ryan said that for the past 20 years, quote, I've watched the American dream slip through the fingers of many Americans. Well, we'll be diving into this notion of the forgotten class in our conversation today. Please join me now in welcoming to the program, Representative Ryan. So, Representative Ryan, I had the opportunity to spend some time in your district last year. And what really struck me is truly how much of a microcosm of America the communities you represent are. And I wonder if we could start by talking about what you bring to the table as a leader in relation to that. What kind of an understanding does representing Ohio's 13th district give you about the real concerns and hopes of everyday Americans across this country? Well, I think think you're right. I think Northeast Ohio and I represent the city of Youngstown and Akron and Warren, a lot of old steel towns in Northeast Ohio. And we've got, you know, problems and challenges that we're dealing with, like a lot of other places, uh, rural America small and mid-sized towns, workers across the country that are struggling to make ends meet. It's a, it's a diverse district. The city of Youngstown is a little over 50% uh, people of color. Um, and so it has, you know, we've lost manufacturing. We've lost a lot of the old economy, but yet we have universities and business incubators and additive manufacturing institutes that are trying to uh, propel us into the future. We have an opiate epidemic. We have worker dislocation. We have uh, infrastructure issues around water and, and all of those things, uh, and stagnant wages. So you were talking about the loss of manufacturing jobs, and I understand that much of your work around heating up the economy in your district has been rooted in encouraging American companies to reinvest back into the American heartland. You know, President Trump has taken credit a number of times for companies choosing not to relocate manufacturing jobs abroad. Are you satisfied with what he says he's done in this regard, or would you be taking an entirely different approach on this issue than President Trump? Well, I would be taking an entirely different approach. I I understand and support being firm with uh, countries like China who who do uh, manipulate their currency, they do steal intellectual property, they do subsidize businesses that put American businesses uh, out. And I've watched this happen over my 17 years in Congress, especially in the steel industry, aluminum and other areas. So they are cheating. We've got to be firm with them, but you don't wreck rural America to do it. You try to come to some agreement, negotiate your way out of it. But the way you beat China 
ultimately, is is uh, by outcompeting them. And conveniently for us, us trying to outcompete China in things like uh, renewable energy around electric vehicles, wind, solar, the batteries that go into electric vehicles, the charging stations that go into electric vehicles. These are multi, multi-trillion dollar industries. China is organized and winning. They control 50 to 60 percent of the electric vehicle market. They control 60 percent of the solar panel market because they have an industrial policy. And so what I would do is make sure we have an industrial policy. We have a chief manufacturing officer that can help us build out these different industries. And and right now, that's what China does. That's what Germany does. We don't do that, which is why we're losing. So my my approach would be, okay, how do we dominate these industries? How do we put vocational education into our schools and make you know college, especially one- and two-year degrees, much more affordable so that we are creating the pipeline of workers that can help us expand these industries? That's a real plan, and that's what I would do. You've been an outspoken critic of President Trump and the congressional Republican establishment. Uh, do you believe that there has been damage done to this country since President Trump's time in office that is irreparable at this point? And where is that damage that most concerns you? Well, I mean, we're a very resilient country. I've been around long enough to have watched Barack Obama heal a lot of wounds after the Iraq war and Afghanistan. And, and we thought the world was always going to hate us. Uh, and, you know, he healed a lot of those wounds. But what I think President Trump has done that's so dangerous is the cultural issues. I mean, yes, he's expanded uh, things within the presidency, but th- what he's done culturally, I think, is really going to take us some time to heal. He brought the demons out from, you know, from the very dark places in America. Uh, he brought them front and center and he shed light on them and he amplified them on his Twitter account and with his statements around the race baiting and and how we handle uh, immigrants who want to come to the United States and Latinos and, you know, people of color generally. And so the next president is really going to have to be the healer in chief. Um, and that's what I plan on doing. I mean, I we've got to get along and Democrats and Republicans have got to figure out a way get along around some issues. So what you've seen in my campaign is I'm talking about issues that we can move forward on. I mean, manufacturing, as I was just saying, is supported by uh, over uh, 80% of the American people. So we can move on an agenda around new advanced uh, manufacturing. And it also helps us with climate and dealing with the climate change, which most Americans are concerned about. I'm proposing things around regenerative agriculture to move away from industrial farming and the monopolies to regenerative agriculture, which gives us food with a lot less pesticides on it. It builds the soil and it it leads to a healthier environment and it sequesters carbon, which is good for, you know, the, the environment and good for climate change. And that's supported by both liberal Democrats and conservative Republicans and libertarians, some who don't even think climate change is caused by man but they still want to sequester carbon because it's good for the soil. Let's move forward on that. My whole education agenda is around trauma-informed care, about getting a mental health counselor in every school, uh, pushing social and emotional learning. These things are supported by 
the left-leaning Brookings Institution and the right-leaning American Enterprise Institute. So let's move forward on that. So I'm trying to bring an agenda that is transformational for the country, but also something that we can agree on. And if people think that makes sense, if they want to be a part of something special like that, they can go to timryanforamerica.com, look at my website, send me some money, uh, and help me keep going in this campaign because this is transformational, but it's also honest and it's doable. I wanted to ask you briefly about climate change as well. Where do you stand in terms of the level of urgent action that you think is required? And does that action require government putting pressure on corporations who play the largest hand in driving climate catastrophe? Yeah, no question. I mean, I'm I'm scared to death about it. I'll be honest with you. I mean, I've got so Andrew and I have three kids, Mason's 16, Bella's 15, and Brady's five. I'm super concerned about what's happening. We have algae blooms in the Great Lakes. We have dead zones at the mouth of the Mississippi River. Uh, you know, we have obviously issues with, with carbon uh, getting released into the atmosphere. So when you hear my agenda, what's what's what I really like about it is when I talk about farming and the regenerative ag, that sequesters carbon. When we talk about electric vehicles, wind, solar, new ways of doing energy, that's about dealing with climate and reversing uh, climate change. And it's going to take public-private partnerships. Yes, it's going to take some government action, but I think we need to reward companies with lower tax rates for those companies that are helping us solve this problem that are bringing efficiencies to their companies, that are taking care of their workers, that are making sure that we have, uh, you know, living wages and middle-class jobs and healthcare, but also companies that are taking care of their supply chain so that it's eco-friendly, so they're not damaging and polluting the water. Those companies should be rewarded. So instead of giving big tax cuts to everybody, let's start focusing tax incentives to companies that are going to be doing something good for the public and society and especially our environment. And so what I want to do is align the financial incentives with the environmental incentives. And that means that if people start making money off of cleaning up the environment, if there's a profit incentive, you will see us be able to solve this problem a lot quicker than if it's some centralized government thing. Yes, we need government to act, set parameters, make investments in the certain areas, especially around the research and infrastructure and agriculture. But if we can align those incentives, the private sector is going to take this thing and run with it. And then we're really going to be getting busy on, on reversing climate change. Mm -hmm. I, I also wanted to talk to you about the opioid crisis as well. In many ways, combating the opioid epidemic has been mission critical in Ohio for a number of years now. What have you learned from fielding this issue at that level that you would want to see implemented on a national scale? Well, it, need, it needs more uh, money. I think we know what to do, you know, with law enforcement. We know what to do with treatment. You know, treatment needs to be extended. It can't just be 30 days uh, or 60 days. We need extended treatments if we're going to heal people. We need preventative programs. Um, you know, we need ad campaigns. You know, we need recovery and treatment issues funded. We need money down to the local communities to support the, the public health aspects of this. And so, yes, it, we need money, but it's also it's linked to economics, too. I mean, people who who have no hope, who have no opportunity, are much more susceptible to, you know, the, 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 the 
pain issues that they're dealing with and and trying to take that pain away for a longer period of time and then maybe getting addicted because they have nothing to look forward to. And I also think we need to explore different things around chronic pain that can help people manage pain without opiates. I think we need to look at, you know, things like acupuncture, uh, mindfulness meditation, transcendental meditation. These meditation techniques have been uh, seen to help people better deal with um, chronic pain uh, without necessarily using the really intense uh, opiates that they sometimes use and then get addicted to. So, and how do we explore and research that? And to me, that's an opportunity, too, that we need to explore. And that was an interview with 2020 Democratic presidential candidate, Representative Tim Ryan. I really valued today's conversation, and I hope you found it informative, too. You've been listening to The Hannah Hundle Show. I'm your host, Hannah Hundle, and I thank you for tuning in. We'll catch you next week.